1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll uh, finish up our discussion around gun control and the Second Amendment. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is November the 8th and on this day in 1939, on the 16th anniversary of Hitler's Beer Hall Putsch, a bomb exploded just uh, after Hitler had finished giving a speech. He was unharmed. He had made an annual ritual on the anniversary of his infamous 1923 coup attempt, his first grab at power that ended in the arrest and virtual annihilation of his National Socialist Party, of regaling his followers with his vision of Fatherland's future. On this day, he had been addressing the old guard uh, party members, those disciples and soldiers who had been loyal to Hitler and his fascist party since the early days of the inception, since just 12 minutes after Hitler had left the hall along with important Nazi leaders who had accompanied him. A bomb exploded, which had been secretly uh, in a pillar behind the Speaker's platform. Seven people were killed and 63 were wounded. The next day, the Nazi Party official paper squarely placed the blame on British uh, secret agents, uh, even implicating Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain himself. This work of propaganda was an attempt to stir up hatred for the British and whip up the German people into a frenzy for war. By the inter-Nazi party members knew better. They knew the assassination attempt was most probably the work of German anti-Nazi military conspiracy. In an ingenious scheme to shift blame, while getting closer to the actual conspirators, Heinrich Himmler, the Gestapo chief, sent a subordinate, Walter Schellenberg, to Holland to make contact with British intelligence agents. The uh, pretext of the meeting was to secure assurances from the British that in in the event of an anti-Nazi coup, the British would support the uh, new regime. The British agents were eager to gain whatever inside information they could about the rumored anti-Hitler movement within the German military. Schellenberger, posted as a major shamel, uh, was after uh, whatever information British intelligence may have had on such a conspiracy, but Himmler uh, wanted more than talk. He wanted the British agents themselves. So on November the 9th, SS soldiers in Holland kidnapped, with Schellenberger's help, two British agents, Payne and Best, and R.H. Uh, Stevens, uh, stuffing them in a Buick and driving them across the border into Germany. Himmler now proudly announced that the German public had, had captured the British conspirators. Uh, the man was actually planted the bomb at their behest, was declared to be George Elzer, a German communist who made his living as a carpenter. While well, it seems certain that Elzer did plant the bomb with the instigators were German, military, or British intelligence remains unclear, all three uh, official conspirators spent the war in uh, concentration camps. Elzer was murdered by the Gestapo on April 16, 1945, so he could never tell a story. Hitler dared not risk a public trial, as there was just too many holes in the official story. So that is the story, of uh, such an interesting story in 1939, the anniversary of uh, Hitler's Beer Hall Putsch. Uh, so he was there was another attempt in uh, trying to kill Hitler with a bomb. It was uh, near the end of the war. Actually, Dietlis, yeah, uh, Bonhoeffer was involved in the whole process. Eric Metaxas details that in great uh, detail. Diet, uh, Bonhoeffer, by the way was hung by the Nazis about 15 days before uh, the the war was uh, finished. Well, stocks rose from the seventh straight day on Tuesday, giving the Nasdaq and S- S&P 500 their longest winning streak since 2021 The surge was fueled by a rally in big tech and growing consensus that the Fed is done raising interest rates. Chief among the tech revelers was Microsoft, which finished the day in an all-time high amid strong demand for its cloud computing services. So markets were up. Well... Uh, This has been a disappointing uh, day for elections. It's kind of a wake-up call for Republicans. But Virginia Democrats, who campaigned on protecting abortion rights, swept Tuesday's legislative elections, retaking full control of the General Assembly after two years of divided power. The outcome is a sharp loss for Republican Governor Glenn Yonkin, who exerted a great deal of energy, money, and political capital on the effort to secure our GOP trifecta. Virginia is one of the four states holding legislative races. This year, it is something of a microcosm of other closely divided states that will be critical in next year's presidential election. And has fueled outsized interest in the legislative races as both parties are closely monitoring the results for signs about voter moods heading into the 2024 election. Actually, I think uh, Fox News, there were people really trying to build up Yonkin put a a lot of campaign money, Republican money, into uh, this campaign, and uh, it didn't work. And uh, again, I think this reflects on Ronna McDaniel and her role in the Republican Party. So far, she's gotten very poor results. Also, Governor Andy Beshear has won the Kentucky Governor's race, beating his Trump-endorsed challenger, Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron, to secure a second term. Major news outlets, including CNN, declared Bershear the winner just before 9 p.m. The 45-year-old Bershear, the son of former Kentucky Governor Steve Bershear, is the first Democratic governor to win re-election in the Commonwealth since 2011 when his father accomplished the same feat. And then another defeat, uh, not good, again, a Kaderi in the coal mine, not voting well for uh, Republicans. Ohioans voted to enshrine access to abortion and other reproductive rights In the state constitution on Tuesday, pushing back against decades of GOP restrictions and shoring up protection more than a year after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. According to unofficial election results, Issue 1 passed 58 to 42 percent. Ohio's joined a a growing list of states that have approved abortion protections against the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, set these decisions back to lawmakers, judges, and voters. Tuesday's victor also offers a roadmap for reproductive rights advocates eyeing 2024 election or votes in places like Florida and Arizona. Also, the uh, Ohioans passed uh, access to recreational marijuana as well. Well, and Democrat uh, Dan McCaffrey, won an open seat in Pennsylvania Supreme Court on Tuesday's general election, preserving a strong Democrat majority on a panel that has produced several critical election-related uh, rulings in the presidential battleground state. The seven member bench, which is made up of five Democrats and two Republicans, is also at the center of gun cases and abortion rights, which is a prominent role in the campaign. Mr. McCaffrey, a judge who served on a statewide appellate court, beat Carolyn Caruccio, a Montgomery County judge. Justices serve 10 year terms before they must run for retention to stay on the court. So, again, another. Canary in the coal mine, uh, and not a good sign for Republicans going into 2024. There is a bright spot. Governor Tate Reeves, who's a Republican in Mississippi, won his reelection a bid on uh, Tuesday night, defeating uh, Democrat challenger Brandon Presley, a, rel- a relative of uh, Elvis Presley. Who had hoped to cobble together a multiracial coalition to victory, Rees overcame low popularity and a multi-million-dollar welfare scandal, in which 77 million dollars in federal funds was for the state's low-income residents was instead directed to wealthy Mississippians. In his defeat of Presley, Presley conceded shortly before midnight, heading into election day. Uh, The governor was projected to win his race by a similar margin in his 2019 victory, which he defeated Democrat former State Attorney General Jim Hood 52% to 46%. At the time, Presley conceded, Reeves was roughly in the ballpark with 52.4% of the votes, with about 88% of the votes in. So uh, again, Reeves wins uh, Mississippi. That's a good thing for the Republicans. Also, uh, the House censured Representative Rashida Tlaib, she's a Democrat from uh, Michigan, over her pro-Palestinian comments in relation to the conflict in Israel, making her the second Democrat lawmaker this year to be formally condemned by her colleagues. Uh, Lawmakers voted 234 to 188 to censure Tlaib, uh, punishing the Democrat uh, from Michigan for promoting false narratives About the October 7th attack against Israel by Hamas and the military group for the destruction of the State of Israel. The resolution passed after 22 Democrats joined nearly all Republicans in supporting the measure. Overcoming the opposition that stalled a uh, similar motion to censure Tlaib last week, only four Republicans voted against the measure. So interesting. Well, the Republican National Committee on Monday confirmed that five candidates have qualified to appear on the debate stage this evening in Miami. Taking the stage will be Florida uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, tech mogul Vivek Ramaswamy, South Carolina uh, Senator Tim Scott, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Talk about a non-event. We're looking forward to our third debate in Miami, a welcome opportunity for our candidates to showcase our winning conservative agenda to the American people, said uh, RNC Chairwoman uh, Ronna McDaniel. What else could she say? We're especially honored to be in the first political party to to partner with the Jewish Organization for Debate in our partnership with the Republican-Jewish Coalition, and our candidates will reaffirm the Republican Party's unwavering support of Israel and the Jewish community on the stage Wednesday night. The quintet, meaning the uh, candidates, managed to clear both 70,000 unique donor requirement and then the polling threshold required that each receive 4% in two national polls or one national poll and one early state poll. Of these candidates who participated in the prior debate, North Dakota uh, Governor Dud Burgum and former Vice President Mike Pence didn't make the cut. Pence suspended his campaign while Burgum is continuing. Uh, Former President Donald Trump has not participated in any of the debates, of course, and he'll be doing a rally tonight. I forgot exactly where right now, but nevertheless, he'll be speaking to his constituents, uh, which is always fun. Well, the alleged historic endorsement of Ron DeSantis by Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa, where the Floridian has less than half the support of Donald Trump, appears to have been attended by only 150 people. A simple head count of the crowd present for much of the hyped endorsement shows around 150 people took a handful of photographers, journalists, and campaign and venue staff. The modest turnout suggests Reynolds, trailed as a possible running mate for DeSantis, uh, will be unlikely to galvanize the significant increase in support in order to take Iowa the Hawkeye State. Former President Donald Trump's march to the 2024 Republican nomination continues to win uh, new support. And his lead is now a massive 50 percentage points over Governor Ron DeSantis. Showing no signs of slowing despite the massive legal hurdles he's facing, he's increased his support among GOP likely voters to 63 percent. Is second is DeSantis at 13 percent, Nikki Haley at 9 percent. So there it is, the debate at 8 o'clock tonight. uh, We'll be watching. That's my duty So you don't have to. (laughs) Uh, This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show
0: here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service Forty
0: five forty one. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: A pleasure to be with
1: you, Bob. Thank you so much, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute.
3: We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to defending private property Free Markets, Securing Individual Rights, and Limited Government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web.
1: Terrific organization. Thank you, Bob, for that. So we've been talking about the Second Amendment and gun control uh, here on the show for the last several weeks. Uh, What about Florida's Stand Your Ground law? What are your thoughts?
3: Well, it was passed in 2005. It's still in effect. And as as in most states, uh, Stand Your Ground claimant can't be the initial aggressor uh, and has to show a reasonable belief that deadly force uh, on his part was necessary to protect against some serious uh, threat of death or great uh, bodily injury. So before that law was passed, uh, retreat was required unless it would have increased the danger to the defender. Hmm. But now, after staying Your Ground... Prosecutors have the burden to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the uh, defendant didn't reasonably fear uh, for his life. So you remember the Trayvon Martin case? uh, In that case, uh, the media was uh, just touting stand your ground as a great evil, but stand your ground played no role in that case. The assailant, uh, George Zimmerman, he didn't mount a stand your ground defense. If he had stalked or attacked Trayvon Martin, then stand your ground wouldn't have been an excuse because you're not allowed to be the initial assailant. Yeah. And if Martin had, had attacked him, then Zimmerman uh, claimed self-defense would have worked, not would need stand your ground. Right. So stand your ground might have applied if, if Martin threatened but didn't attack Zimmerman. Hmm. And those were facts that were not in evidence in the case.
1: So interesting. So, bottom line, will more gun controls reduce or eliminate random killings like uh, Uvalde?
2: Well, I
3: think before we embark on a crusade for more gun controls, a few facts are important. First, these random uh, multi-victim killings are just a fraction of 1% of all the murders in the U.S. So they get high profile, and they're they're horrible, uh, and they're going to occur... Even where there are strict uh, gun regulations, the second point is that there have been exhaustive studies on gun control. Uh, the National Academy of Science and the Centers for, for Disease Control, uh, neither of which are, you know, tools of the NRA, uh, studied this stuff. And the National Academy reviewed over 250 articles and a book, hundred books or so and other government publications. They evaluated. 80 gun control measures and researchers couldn't identify a single regulation that meaningfully reduced uh, violent crime uh, or suicide or accidents. And the CDC reported on things like ammunition limits and restrictions on purchase and waiting periods and registration and on and on. And their conclusion, none of the laws demonstrably reduced gun violence. So. I think, admittedly, these these studies are dated, and we do need some updated to some more recent uh, research. Uh-huh. Uh, the third thing we need to know is that guns are already the most heavily regulated product in the U.S. Handguns are the only product that can't be purchased outside where you live, the state where you live. And gun retailers and wholesalers and manufacturers all require a federal license And every one of their sales has to be pre-approved by the government through these background checks. So nationwide, there are thousands of laws that regulate who can own a gun and how it can be purchased and where it can be purchased.
1: So interesting. So do you have any final thoughts on controlling gun violence?
3: Yeah, well, overall, I'm skeptical about the efficacy of these gun regulations that are imposed mostly on people that are not part of the problem. Uh, in the Heller case and the McDonald case, the Supreme Court ruled that the, the the Constitution secures an individual fundamental right to bear arms, and that means if gun control advocates believe that stringent regulations are required for public safety, they have to establish a couple of key points: first, that the proposed regulations will indeed make us safer, and second, that the same ends couldn 't be attained without truncating the rights uh, of gun owners. And now, after the court's latest decision in Bruin, which came in 2022, the government has to show that a proposed regulation is consistent with the text, history, and tradition of prior gun laws and the the Constitution. So we can't simply ignore the Constitution and act as though the Second Amendment didn't exist. Uh, It doesn't preclude reasonable regulations but it absolutely demands rigor from our lawmakers and if necessary from the courts in the crafting and reviewing these gun control uh, measures you know we have core second amendment rights at risk so we have to be sure that the ends justify the means
1: and uh, also of course it's always the bad guys that don't pay attention to the laws so yes, <laughs> there's indeed. always that so, so uh I wonder if you'd be willing to comment. There's a deranged man who killed eighteen people in Lewiston, Maine. It reminds us how might might be able to improve in reporting on prospective gun buyers who are mentally ill. Maybe what are your thoughts on this?
3: Well, Maine has what they call a yellow flag law. They don't have a red flag law. The red flag version, uh, which has been approved in uh, more than twenty states, allows police or family members to identify somebody who's likely to be a danger to himself or others. And then they can go to court directly, and the courts can temporarily strip that person of gun rights. It mm-hmm. uh, sounds like a reasonable approach. There are some concerns among them, making sure that the fellow who's stripped of his rights gets due process. And, of course, there's a problem of how do you define mental problem problems. And uh, there's a problem with possibility of personal vendettas against somebody. And, and when and if you restore the gun rights if they have been taken away. The yellow flag version that's in effect in Maine uh, proved to be inadequate, as we know, Uh, even though there were multiple warnings Mm -hmm. from the family and even from the Army Reserve Unit in which this guy served. The yellow flag laws uh, generally require several more steps than the red flag laws. Mm -hmm. First, the law enforcement officials have to be alerted. Then they have to take the family member into protective custody. And then third, a medical professional has to determine that the person's a threat. And only then uh, can the judge order temporary removal of the firearm. So, you know, under federal law, firearms are denied to anybody who's adjudicated as a mental defective, which means that a court, uh, on request from law enforcement authorities, Who've relied on information in the in the background uh, check database, the, they determine the court determines that the person is a danger to himself or others, or that he lacks the the mental capacity to manage his own affairs. The only other banned buyers under federal law are persons committed to a mental institution by court order. So that excludes people who commit themselves. Yeah. Voluntarily, and people who were admitted for observation. Huh. So the and the big drawback of this background check database called the NICS database is that a lot of states haven't provided mental health data to the system. And the Supreme Court has ruled that the federal government can't compel the states, cannot compel the states uh, to comply. So maybe the states will be uh, more cooperative after. Uh, these recent incidents, like we had in Lewiston, Maine, involving uh, multiple shootings by people who are quite clearly mentally unstable,
1: tough issue, Bob. Uh, the, the latest attack on Second Amendment rights, of course, is the suggestion that any time that there's a domestic violence uh, charge, that uh, the uh, people would have to surrender their firearms as a result if they are involved in that kind of a process. So uh, we don't have time to talk about it, but it certainly is an interesting development. Indeed. The oral Bob,
3: argument was yesterday in that case.
1: Bob, Levy again. Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. I hope you visit the website, cato.org, cato.org. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you, Bob. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Fifty-three ten. That's 239-269-5310. you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 239-
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. Just visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, man. Good morning, Andy. So we typically start our discussions off with any good news that you might have. Do you have some good news for us?
2: Well, there are some good news stories. They are sort of modest, but uh, they are good news. My thinking over the last month has been dominated by the Israeli situation. It still is. I published 10 essays over the last uh, month uh, on that issue, a whole variety of different things. Excuse me, Bob. Uh, But again, let's get to some other uh, stories in in the meantime. Uh, first place, the House yesterday voted to censure Rashida Tlaib, which was certainly long overdue. Right. Uh, unfortunately, many of the news stories are, are, are claiming that uh, she was censured for, uh, for negative comments about Israel. That was not the issue at all. The issue was her support, un- unlimited support of Hamas, uh, these, these child-murdering, brutal barbarians. Uh, that is where the, the censure came from, not the support or the attack on on Israel that is certainly allowable but certainly when you're attacking murderers I think that that required censure so i was glad to see the house acting they re, they uh, described it as a bipartisan uh, issue and you know I, yeah, certainly there were 20 uh, democrats that did support the censure yeah. but certainly it was far from being bipartisan in terms of uh, of a significant number of uh, of democrats supporting that censure uh, in in just keeping in in, uh, in keeping with that uh, the Senate yesterday just uh, rejected the, uh, the stand-alone Israeli funding bill. It's just outrageous, in my opinion, but uh, you can see the, the House acting in a positive manner, and I think the Senate, as the Democrat-controlled Senate, acting, what I regard, uh, as a negative matter. But there is a good news story out of Mississippi, and when you're searching for a good news story and it's Mississippi, I think you're really reaching, but the, uh, the Republican... Uh, Incumbent won in that election uh, in uh, in Mississippi, and I think that's that's perhaps the only good news story coming out of that election last night. Oh my and goodness! And one more good news story before you you comment. Uh, just saw the recent polling uh, as it pertains to the Republicans and the Democrats. Uh, and it looks good for the Republicans in the polling uh, with Hispanics, Jewish voters, and voters under 35. Now, polling is, is what it is, polling. Uh, but on the other hand, the, I think we have to start reaching uh, for some positives, and I think there's a lot of negatives out there, Bob.
1: There are tons of negatives, and quite frankly, I'm so disappointed in the results yesterday. Uh, this Ronna McDaniel, who's the head of the RNC, right? She's just not getting the job done. And you know, uh, we need to put somebody in the place who can actually get some results when it comes to elections because she's just not doing it. Yeah, I
2: mean, even if, she, even if she's doing her best, I mean, sometimes people think that if somebody's doing their best, that matters. Uh, what matters is the result, and right. I think you're absolutely correct. The result has not been there uh, from her actions. Uh, but even if you look at Virginia yesterday with the uh, the unbridled support of Youngkin in terms of uh, trying to recapture the the legislature, not only didn't they recapture the entire legislature, they lost the entire legislature in Virginia to yeah. the Democrats. Uh, so again, this is, a, to me, a very, uh, it portends uh, negative things, perhaps for the uh, for the presidential elections in, in 2024. I don't want to overstate that because, again, you can't draw a tremendous level of inference from these. But uh, I think that uh, that election in uh, in Virginia with a, a popular Republican governor uh, putting a lot of money into the campaign to control the legislature and having it be just the reverse in the voting outcome, I think that is a negative, a negative sign and the other thing that i think has to be given attention by the by the republicans as we go forward into into 2024 uh you can look at uh, cameron being beaten uh, for the in the governor's race in in kentucky now uh, cameron had uh, uh, supported almost an entirely the uh, the complete ban on abortion in kentucky now recently he came out and he said that he if governor he would sign abortion in the case of rape and incest but up until very recently he had supported a complete complete abortion ban yeah. i think the re, the democrats are going to learn a lot from this not that they have to but they they will learn even more from this and i think as we go forward into 2024 bob we're going to see a significant number of, of abortion issues on the, on the ticket alongside the presidential election. So I think this does not, uh, again, portend well for the Republicans. And I, I think they have to start figuring out some way of positioning themselves on this issue that doesn't uh, cost them huge blocks of vote. Uh, at this point, no matter which way they go on abortion, they're going to lose a huge amounts of vote bubs.
1: I couldn't agree more, Andy. You've, you hit the nail on the head. I'm quite concerned. Quite frankly, I see this as a canary in the coal mine. And uh, we can take solace in, in uh, positive polls for Trump and all that. You know, it just doesn't matter because in the end it comes down to the voting booth. And uh, we're, we're not in a good position right now. In my mind, it seems to me our position on abortion is totally flawed. Uh, certainly not for killing babies, but I am for providing some sort of support for women, who have a unwanted pregnancy? You know, perhaps holding the man uh, responsible uh, and the father as partly uh, partly responsible for the situation, some sort of an income situation for the for the uh, woman. So, in other words, are things that we can do to recognize the problem without necessarily caving on uh, late term abortion.
2: And then I think if we look at Ohio yesterday, the voters in Ohio passed a constitutional amendment. Uh, allowing abortion up to the time of viability, so we're talking at 24 weeks in Ohio. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot <laughs> of issues uh, of that type, uh, where they'll, they'll challenge the the number of weeks. This this uh, endless debate over it. it should be 15 weeks, 20 weeks, no weeks. Uh, this is a this is a, a horrible issue for the for the Republicans. I think they yeah. have to start by positioning this uh, and differentiate between the legal allowance of government act and the moral position. Now, I think we can say, let's say morally, that we would reject all abortion. On the other hand, that does not give the government unlimited ability to act. And I think they have to start discussing it in this manner.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think
2: you're right. I think they can offer a lot of what we can call substitute issues, and including full women's uh, Uh, reproductive uh, health services and uh, contraceptive services and so forth that will serve as uh, somewhat substitutes uh, for the abortion issue, but I think the abortion issue will not go away in 2024, Bob.
1: I agree with that, Andy. Andy, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned Or of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with forty percent strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America.
0: to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get to the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website VFGA. The FGA.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Uh, morning, uh, you've heard so many interesting columns recently about the situation in Israel, Hamas, and so forth. Uh, uh, any comments or thoughts? Well, I've been long
2: writing on the uh, the Israeli situation in 1997. I had a guest commentary in the Gannett paper up in Westchester. Uh, talking about Israel and and anti-Semitism. I also had a comparable uh, guest commentary in the uh, Naples Daily News here uh, called The New Anti-Semitism. So I've been deeply aware of this. I had authored a Holocaust course uh, in my university, and the amazing uh, pushback primarily from minority students was uh, sort of surprising to me, uh, the amount of of anger that uh, they showed because I was doing that. It wasn't across the board, of course, but it was, it was significant enough to note. Uh, but so, you know, I, I have a deep, deep immersion in this issue for, for many years that either makes me very biased in the, towards Israel or very aware towards Israel. I, I think it's the, it's the, the latter position. Uh, but first of all, let me start out with a quote that I think pertains to what we're seeing in America, and I think it's worth noting uh, from one of my favorite thinkers of all time. That's uh, Marcus Tullius Cicero from uh, ancient Rome. Uh, Cicero said, what society does to its children, so will its children do to society. Mm. And I think that's what we're getting a big mouthful of right now mm. as we watch these, these university-based uh, protests or these in-the-street protests of a various sorts, people putting bloody uh, handprints on the walls of the, the White House, uh, very outrageous comments about killing the Jews. Uh, some of these people screaming that the Hamas should kill the Jewish babies that have been taken hostage and so forth. I mean, just horrific types of commentary that have never been heard in terms of any other people or any other situation in the history of the world. And these, to the largest extent, are coming from what we can call our children,
1: Bob. Yeah. Such an important observation. Cicero's quote certainly rings true with especially what we're seeing right now. Although it is interesting to see that school choice is becoming such a major issue right now, reducing the power of public education in, in across America. Enrollment in public education is down. Homeschooling is up charter schools up so uh, there's a lot of positive signs going forward
2: I, I think those are certainly positives I think anything that reduces the uh, the impact of, uh, of, the, of the public schools is a good thing I just finished watching a great course at uh, 48. Uh, episodes of A Great Course on the foundations of Western civilization. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Uh, I've been dealing with it for about a week now or so, but it's worth watching. And the point I'm going to make is that, uh, to me, if, if, these, if our school kids were just to sit down in front of a television and watch those 48 episodes, they would probably get, no, they would get a far better education than is delivered by certainly the average public school teacher, Bob.
1: Andy, uh, share with us, would you please, where you got this, got the course? I'm sorry. Would you share with us where you saw the course?
2: It's well, I I subscribe to the Great Courses on Prime. I see. Uh, you can get these certainly through other other uh, mechanisms. Uh, the Great Courses, uh, if you're familiar with it, they're they're really wonderfully done. Uh, they tend to be very sensitive to sensitive issues, but aside from that, they do just a great job at presenting, uh, presenting information. Uh, so this, particularly this Foundations of Western Civilization, uh, you know, I am deeply immersed in the history of Western civilization, and yet uh, these courses have given me some deeper insights, the understanding, the flow of of where Western civilization uh, came from and the implications and importance of Western civilization. So I think this is something that's, for example, many universities are leaving courses in Western civilization totally out of their curriculum. Right. It used to be a, a position where uh, most Uh, coming-in college students would take two courses in Western civilization. Uh, For most universities, that does not even exist at this point, Bob.
1: So interesting, Andy. I think you're absolutely right. So, again, uh, where we stand with uh, the boots on the ground uh, in Hamas or or in uh, Gaza, what we're seeing right now, and I'd be appreciative of any comments you might make, either about the tactics or the strategies or the overview of the whole situation.
2: Let me just... uh, Show how far we've fallen in those areas. I have a a, a quotation here from uh, JFK back in 1961. He said, Israel was not created in order to disappear. Israel will endure and flourish. It is the child of hope and the home of the brave. It carries the shield of democracy, and it honors the sword of freedom. Now, that was JFK 60 or 70 years ago now. uh, But still, we can see, uh, compare that to Blinken's comments and uh, even Biden's comments. Certainly, they haven't been totally... Uh, antagonistic to Israel, but certainly I believe they can be positioned as not supportive of Israel. Yesterday, Blinken laid down the law to Israel. They can't occupy Gaza. They can't diminish the size of Gaza. So here Israel is in a fight for its very survival, its very existence, after after experiencing the, the, the slaughter of 1,400 of its citizens. And here we have the Secretary of State of America laying down the law, during the camp, during the war, uh, to to Israel. I think this is certainly a far distance from the JFK quote. I think we are also not far away from Yasser Arafat's comment made in 1971. Yasser Arafat said, peace, this is the leader of the PLO for your your audience, peace for us means the destruction of Israel. We are preparing for an all-out war a war which will last for generations. Certainly that comment from Arafat has not gone away, nor has that position gone away as the, the guiding position uh, for the majority, the majority of the citizens in Gaza. Uh, certainly there are many uh, innocent civilians, but let me make the point, and I think it's a, it's a well-founded point, the majority of the citizens in Gaza, the majority of the Palestinians in Gaza, support, Hamas, Hamas, including the actions they took on October seventh,
1: Bob. I absolutely agree with that. In fact, they put Hamas in power; they actually elected them. So, I mean, there's a, there should be some accountability to everything that's going on there. I mean, uh, Teddy Roosevelt at one time said, "You know, speak softly but carry a big stick." I think right now we have America speaking loudly but carrying a very small stick. <laughs> I, I think that's
2: the, the best way to position it. Absolutely. I uh, just again, I'm making. Uh, offering quotations in keeping with what we're talking about, so not just out, out, of, out of nowhere. Uh, Eric Hoffer, who was the, uh, the longshoreman yeah. philosopher, so one of my favorite thinkers, uh, uh, he offered one of my favorite books, The True Believer, about the fanaticism of group process, essentially. Uh, but Eric Hoffer said, The Jews are a peculiar people. Things permitted to other nations are forbidden to the Jews. Other nations drive out thousands, even millions of people, and there's no refugee problem. But in the case of Israel, the displaced Arabs have become eternal refugees. Other nations, when victorious on the battlefield, dictate peace terms. But when Israel is victorious, it must sue for peace. Uh, so, again, and there's a, a comment that's included in that, which I didn't offer at this moment, but it's a comment from Arnold Toynbee. Now, Arnold Toynbee, to your listeners, uh, was, is one of the most uh, respected uh, historians of the 20th century. Yeah. And the, um, the, here's the outrageous comment that, that he made uh, at the end of the 67 war. Arnold Toynbee said, The displacement of the Arabs was an atrocity greater than any committed by the Nazis any committed by the Nazis. Hmm. I mean, this is the kind of outlandish absurdity that just isn't recent, Bob, and that's my point. This is the, the way Israel has been uh, discussed, attacked, positioned uh, almost since its origin in 1948. Uh, so this is not some, something that's new. What is new is the 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 the, uh, the widespread public voice that the anti-israeli positions are getting i'd like to believe not i'd like to not believe they're anti-semitic but i believe they are anti-semitic yeah. and we're seeing this expressed perhaps most vividly uh in america at this point uh, it's uh, personally an embarrassment Uh, And it's something that we have to somehow deal with in a more effective
1: manner, Bob. I would agree with that, Andy. Again, we need to take another break. Can you stick around? I'll be right here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You heard us speak about uh, Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, a great place to have breakfast or lunch. In fact, Andy and I are meeting there this morning with some friends to talk about the world affairs. But they're also serving dinner now, Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. And the menu is terrific. The food is great. Great value, informal. I encourage you to visit Lullaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, Wednesdays through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus Savaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here good on the to show. Be here,
2: Bob. And I will note for your audience that breakfast is free at Lullaby's if you go to breakfast with friends that pay. Yes. So I just thought I'd bring that Does that
1: somehow uh, express your sentiment for this morning's bill? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: try and play the groundwork. For that, yeah, obviously. okay. Okay, back back to something obviously more serious. Um, sometimes a little bit of a history as it pertains to the Israeli situation and the— uh, uh, the arabs surrounding uh, israel their situation uh, back in the latter part of the 60s king hussein of jordan had uh, given the the, the palestinian Liberate liberation organization the plo because they are jordanians i mean so this is let's not create any confusion here the plo the palestinians are jordanians uh, the palestinian word was applied only in the uh, in the uh, latter part of the of uh, the 60s Uh, And what he did, he brought them in, and he was giving them a home so they could launch uh, terrorist attacks against Israel. Now, unfortunately for Hussein, what the PLO did, they tried to overthrow his government uh, in in 1970. Now, what did Hussein did? What did uh, what did do? What did an Arab do to other Arabs in this situation? King Hussein killed 25,000 Palestinians. 25,000. So the only point I'm making is that here Israel is being asked to to deal with essentially these same people. They're asked to, to deal with it with uh, generally a sense of kid gloves. And yet, when we look back at how an Arab dealt with Palestinians, we can see Hussein slaughtered 25,000. It is a day called Black September uh, in the in the jargon of, the, of that area. So uh, this is the, uh, the history that I think has to be noted uh, as it pertains to Israel. Uh, any comments on that? I have well, I, yeah, I
1: do have a comment. I mean, I think, though, you see some of these movements and what's going on, protests and so forth. In many cases, they're demonstrating more about their own personal ignorance and, and misunderstanding of history than they are about their position uh, on, on uh, for example, for the Palestinians.
2: I, I'd like to believe that's true, because if it's ignorance, ignorance can be, uh, can be overcome with facts, with knowledge, with more information, and so forth. Uh, if it's, if it's more, other than that, if it is a, a, a visceral, emotional issue, which I believe it is to the largest extent, uh, that is not driven by facts to start with, right. it will not be susceptible to facts in the future. So I hope you're right. I hope that uh, these people are just ignorant. Uh, because that can be dealt with. But if we're talking about the other potential, that this is a, an emotional itch, issue, of deep, issue of deep hatred, uh, that, does not, that does not yield to, to new information, Bob. No,
1: it doesn't. And it, uh, again, the statistics show that I think uh, uh, Jewish are t- 2% of the population, about 40% of the hate crimes in the United States. So I think there's real do- demonstrable support for the fact that there's anti-Semitism rampant here in the United States.
2: And there's there's no doubt about it. It's again, as I said before, it's it's embarrassing to to see it. Not only to see it, but to see it go so significantly unchallenged. You just have to imagine if these were. Uh, were right-wingers out there in the streets screaming some of the obscenities that, that these people are, are screaming and uh, as it pertains to any other issue, uh, that the government, I think, would would act, would intercede on this. Now, I'm not a big proponent of government intercession and themes in terms of, of these public rallies. But again, when we're advocating murder and death and brutalization of a people, I, I think that's a line that was crossed,
1: uh, and it's one that
2: typically we would try uh, to uh, prevent uh, in the future. And I don't see that we're doing any of that at this point, Bob.
1: How about the U.S. response to, to all of this? Uh, what would you like to see?
2: Well, i I just like to see it an unbridled support of Israel without limitations during the conflict itself. Uh, I think there's been too many modified statements and and truncated statements. Uh, I think we have to understand and make it obvious that we truly understand the nature of the dilemma that Israel faces. Uh, As Golda Meir said, uh, if the Palestinians lay down their guns, there'll be peace. If Israel lays down their guns, they will be killed. And I think that is a, one of the great truisms coming out of the, the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're looking at the what we're seeing in the streets of America, in the streets of the Arab world, in the streets of the, of the world across the globe, yep. we're looking at uh, comments that are being made that would suggest that it, that comment is true. People want to kill Israelis, want to kill Jews, and it's a it's a publicly uh, expressed sentiment, and it, uh, it's outrageous. Uh, there's no other people that have been exposed to this kind of, of process in the history of the world. Now, of course, the Jewish anti-Semitism goes back a millennium, uh, but I think right now it is perhaps being manifest in the public arena in its most uh, direst form that I that I've ever uh, become aware of.
1: Absolutely. Again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. You can get a copy at. it. Uh, it's a great read. It's off topic for today's discussion. but It's absolutely a terrific read. Uh, again, Josephus of Oz by Andrew Joppa. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk more next week, Bob. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I really appreciate your listening to the show. If you enjoyed the show, I hope you'll pass the word on to your friends. And... Uh, Again, we're going to want to support our advertisers. The best way to do that is to have more listeners, and uh, you can help us out by uh, doing, telling your friends about the show. Can't do the show without the uh, the advertisers. Also, appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.